Ephesians chapter 4. So our scriptures will be Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1, um, uh, verses 1 through uh, 16. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 through 16. And then also um, 1 Corinthians. <clears throat> you can write these down, then we'll, we'll go there here in a minute. 1 Corinthians chapter um, chapter 12. Verse, uh, and we'll, we'll really concentrate on verses 11 through to the end, uh, which is verse 31. So... Ephesians chapter 4, <clears throat> now these, these things are, I believe these things are vital for the body of Christ to know. So all of you here, you're born again. Everyone's born again. Oh, yeah. Well, we know if we're born again, God's spirit lives in us. Amen. And so uh, the Bible says that not only are we uh, corporately the body of Christ, but we're individually, or the, not, not only are we corporately the temple of the spirit, uh, but we are uh, individually the temple of the Spirit of God. So God's Spirit living in us. When, when you get born again, God's Spirit comes to live on the inside of you. And so uh, you become the temple of the Holy Ghost. So at salvation, God's Spirit comes in you. And then Jesus told his disciples uh, in the book of Luke to wait in the city of Jerusalem until they were baptized in the Holy Ghost. And uh, bat Holy Ghost baptism is when the Spirit of God comes upon you. Amen. And so uh, we know that uh, Jesus said this, you'll receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. So God's spirit in us, in salvation. Uh, how many of you remember uh, some teaching that we did on this? When God's spirit comes in you, what purpose is that? We know that's the anointing in us, right? First uh, John calls it the abiding anointing, the anointing that abides in us. What is the purpose for the abiding anointing? It's for our walk. It's for our walk. Um, it's so that we can walk uh, in and uh, manifest the fruit of the Spirit. Holiness. Uh, the, the Spirit of God lives in us so that we can uh, live uh, set apart. Amen. Now, the, uh, the anointing upon us or the empowering anointing, uh, or got the Holy Ghost baptism when the Holy Spirit comes upon us. Uh, what's that for? Uh, dunamis, to give us power, de uh, demonstrative power, uh, equipping power. It's, it's for equipping us to do the work that God has called us to do. And so those, those two different workings of the Holy Spirit ought to be in the life of every believer. Now, some people, uh, they're saved, but they're not filled with the Holy Ghost. Listen, if you're not baptized in the Holy Ghost, you need Holy Ghost baptism bad. <laughs> you need it back. It's not, you know, some people say it's optional. Well, it is if you, it's optional if you don't obey the word of God. But, but Jesus commanded his disciples to be filled with the spirit. Amen. And so we should be filled with the Holy Ghost. So uh, let's start, let's start reading this. And so understanding that God's spirit is working in us and upon us. Let's read these verses of scripture here. Maybe I should have wore longer pants if I was going to sit down. <laughs> right, Ted? Or at least, or at least matching socks. <laughs> Looks like I got gym socks on. <laughs> and he's like, I don't see anything wrong. You're good. That's because you see me in my underwear. You don't care. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she's like, she's like, you look fine. You 
you have clothes on. <laughs> All right, let's. <laughs> Ms. Ron is like, I don't want to start getting visuals here. I'm just, let's just get in the Holy Ghost. Amen. All right, Ephesians, Ephesians chapter four, uh, verse one. Uh, this is Paul talking to the church at Ephesus. I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that you walk worthy of your calling. What is that? What does that say? Let's. I, the prisoner of the Lord, urge you in the uh, English Standard Version. I urge you uh, in the Amplified Bible. I, the prisoner of the Lord, appeal to and beg you to walk. Lead life worthy of the divine calling to which you have been called with behavior that is a credit to the summons to God's service. Boy, what a good way of, of uh, saying that. Uh, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, right? or uh, I beseech you to walk worthy of your calling. And so uh, uh, I like the way the Amplified Bible says it, to lead a life worthy of of the divine calling to which you have been called with behavior that is a credit to the summons to God's service. Here's the first thing I want us to understand before we even get into the rest of these verses of scripture is that every single one of you are called. Every single one of you are called to some sort of calling. Every one of you have a function in the body of Christ. And, and I, I want to urge you to think of your calling because sometimes I think that we minimize the importance of what it is that God's called us to do based on what we consider to be more important or less important. For example, some people consider my calling to be more a, a more important calling than, say, the calling of uh, uh, Titus or the calling of Don, who, you know, Don, I don't think... Uh, maybe once in a blue moon has grabbed the microphone and given a very short word or uh, exhortation or something of that manner. But he's certainly not gotten up here and expounded upon the scriptures. Not that he couldn't. It's just not, it's not what he, he uh, typically does. But we did have a, I don't, did you see the men's group text, Don? Are, there, are you a part of that men's group? Okay, yeah. Uh, Lewis actually got a picture of you working at David's and said, I have a brother Don sighting here, you know? And it's Don on, the, uh, on a ladder. I don't know what he was doing. He was obviously fixing something. Putting up Christmas lights. <laughs> and so we do see Don on, in, that, you know, in that capacity. So, you know, uh, Don... Uh, and others might get the idea that somehow or another his calling is something less than or uh, less important than uh, someone else's. The reality is, is that every, every function of your body is necessary and we need, uh, we need for you to function in your purpose. So you are called. Turn to someone, tell them you're called. And so... Uh, um, <clears throat> Ooh, in order, in order for me to really establish this, because because this this really has to be established up front. Go over there to First Corinthians chapter twelve, so that I can show you something there, and then we will go back to Ephesians and finish reading it. But go to First Corinthians chapter twelve. I, I want to encourage you to see the calling that God has put upon you for uh, your purpose as being uh, important, and uh, and how you do, you should heed that calling that you shouldn't see it as something that is, uh, um, how do you say? Uh, uh, it's not something that is uh, optional, but mandatory. 
So 1 Corinthians chapter 12, <clears throat> it's, it talks about uh, the gifts of the Spirit. And after it talks about the gifts of the Spirit, in verse 11, it says this, But all these worketh that one and selfsame Spirit, dividing to every man several as he will. Verse 12, For as the body is one and hath many members, and all the members of that one body being many are one body, so also is Christ. For by one Spirit are we baptized into one body, whether we be Jew or Gentiles, whether we be bound or free and have all been made to drink into the one spirit. For the body is not one member, but many. If the foot shall say, because I am not the hand, am, uh, I, am not the, I am not of the body. Is it therefore not of the body? And if the ear say, because I am not the eye, I am not of the body. Is it therefore not of the body? If the whole body were an eye, where were the hearing? If the whole body were hearing, where were the smelling? But now, and this is what I want you to see. Look at verse 18. But now hath God set the members, every one of them, in the body as it hath pleased him. Say this with me. Say, now hath God set the members, every one of them, in the body as it hath pleased him. So understand this, just like God sets apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers in the church, God sets members of the body in the church as well. Every part of the, so, you know, we get this idea that God sets these, these ministry gifts uh, into, the, uh, into the church, and, um, and these ministry gifts, of course, they are special endowments and special ministries, but then we minimize the fact that God sets each individual. You know what? When God put you here at Winner's Church, he set you in this church. I didn't set you in this church. We welcomed you into this church. <laughs> Who was it? Where were we at? That, uh, uh, oh, it was Aaron Bird's church last week. He's had many people that have come out of the Baptist church and come to his church and start attending his church. And they're like, well, we're ready to get baptized. And he's like, well, why do you want to get baptized? Well, to be a member of the Baptist church, you have to get baptized in the Baptist church. And so they're under the impression that in order to be members of his church, they have to be baptized. He said, I ain't going to baptize you again. You're already baptized. He said, you got to get rid of that, con that whole concept, that whole idea that you have to get baptized in this church to be a part of this church. But um, it's God who set those people in his church. It's not baptism that sets you in, in, a, in a church. It's not, amen. Some of you became Catholic. You got baptized in the Catholic church and that made you Catholic. No, listen, I'm going to tell you something. Um, when God sets you in the church, you're set in the church. We, we, we welcomed you into this church, but I didn't set you in this church through baptism, through catechism, through confirmation, through any of those things. You came here, you were called of God, and God set you here. You know what? Sucks for you if you want to try to get away. Because when, when you're not constrained by man, who is it that constrains you to the, to the, to the, to the place? Well, God, God constrains you. So when God sets people in the church, he sets you in there. Just like God said, you know what? God setting me in this church is no different than God setting you in this church. That, that's, that's why, that's why there have been times when people, you know, um, well, I won't get into that just yet. But anyway, um, so now it's God that has set 
the members, every one of them in the body, as it hath pleased him. If God set you here, it's because it pleased him to do so. Now run over there back to Ephesians. Let's finish that up. Ephesians chapter 4 again. So it says, uh, <clears throat> I therefore the prisoner of the Lord beseech you that you walk worthy of the calling or the, or the job that he's called you to do. The vocation, the job, uh, the vocation. Walk worthy of the, In other words, it's, it doesn't just mean quit sinning. Yeah, quit, you know, as Christians, we ought to cut way back on the sin. But this is saying walk worthy of the job that God's called you to do. Do you know what that means? You ought to be busying yourself with what is necessary to develop whatever giftings and whatever anointings God has put in you to do what it is that God's called you to do. If God's called you to preach, then guess what? Don't, you need to walk worthy of that calling. How? By preparing to do what God called you to do. Amen. You know, when God created you, uh, although we have different people that have different, uh, uh, different jobs in the natural, God didn't really call you and, and, and didn't really, uh, uh, his purpose for you wasn't for you to do your natural vocation. It was to do what he called you to do. And so no matter what it is you do in the natural, the thing that is of top priority ought to be the top priority in the life of the believer is to find out what vocation God has called you to. What, what's the job God has called you to do? What is the job that God has called you to do? And once you find out what the job is that God has called you to do, it's, uh, uh, it's up to you to walk worthy of that job. In other words, do what it takes to develop what is necessary to fulfill that call. Don't let anything stand in the way. Do you know if you'll put God's job for your life first, God will bless everything else that you do. Amen. If you neglect what God called you to do uh, to, uh, uh, and, and prioritize the things of this world and the things of this life, you're going to endure hardships and you're going to endure difficulties. You're going to be unsatisfied and unsettled. You're going to be discontent because you will not be fulfilling God's purpose in your life. I'm just telling you, I'm just telling you the truth. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put it out there. It's up to you whether you receive this truth or not. But I'm going to tell you, some people's lives are shipwrecked and they, and they, and they go, they live their life from crisis to crisis to crisis because we fail to prioritize God's purpose in our life over what, you know, what we do for, uh, to make a living in the natural. Amen. Now, now listen, does that mean you ought to neglect doing what you do to make a living? No, that's not what I'm, because some people, you know, when I say that, you know what they'll think? Well, I'm going to quit my job and just go after God's purpose. That's not what I'm saying you should do. I'm saying that whatever you do, you ought to do with it in your heart and in your mind that God has called you to do something. This is the main event. This is the main thing of your life. Uh, this uh, purpose that God has put in you is the main thing that God wants you uh, to run after in your life. And, um, and, and in order sometimes to do what God's called us to do and, and purpose for us to do, there are things that we have to take care of in the natural. And so we do those things in the natural, like uh, maybe we get up at six in the morning, five in the morning, we go to a, a secular job and we work from 5 a.m. Maybe you work a 12-hour day from 5 a.m. to 5 p.m. But you know, when, you're, when you understand your ultimate, your, your main purpose, uh, when you prioritize God's purpose in your life, then you can work that 12-hour day knowing that you're doing that in order to serve the purpose to which God's called you. I'm doing this to enable, uh, to enable my family, to enable myself to financially be able to do what the Lord has called me to really do. Amen. That's right. 
Now, I know some of you say, yeah, but after 12 hours, I'm tired. They that wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not. See, that, it's, it's, it's then that we rely upon a God and his promises and things he's called to do. So tell somebody, walk worthy of, the, uh, walk worthy of your job. And it says this, verse 2, with all lowliness and meekness, with long suffering, forbearing one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. And so it tells us how to do this. Listen, we shouldn't be proud and haughty. If you have a gift from God and God has anointed you, let me tell you something, has nothing to do with you. There's no reason for you to be big headed. It's not, it's not you. You know what? The only reason people even like you is because of Jesus. So we, we have to keep ourselves in check. We have to keep ourselves in check. You have to remember, we, we were a bunch of jerks that nobody liked before we came to the Lord. Amen. Heck, our, we, our wives and husbands didn't want to stay with us before we was born again. Our kids didn't want to live in our house before we was born again. Amen. <laughs> Heck, they, they sent me off to live with my grandmother when I wasn't born again. I was difficult. I was complicated. They couldn't deal with me no more. They just shipped me off to somebody else. And my grandmother almost gave up on, on, on me as well just because I drove them crazy. But thank God for the Holy Ghost. Amen. Amen. So don't, don't be high-minded. Um, one time I had a fellow that traveled with me, and he worked for me, and... Um, he would, uh, he traveled around with me and, and, uh, I was trying to, I was trying to reorganize the, the ministry and the way we were doing things. And I'm sure he'll hear this. I hope he doesn't get his feelings hurt when I say this, but anyway, uh, but I'm, I'm sure he'll listen to it. Um, but he, he was, he was traveling and I was trying to get him to prioritize how he did the work that we needed for him to do for the ministry. And so I had him start to keep a log of, of times, uh, log, to log his time and what he spent his time doing for the ministry. Uh, if I did that here in this church, some of you would you'd be nervous to hand in the, your time and the log of your time for the amount of time you devoted to the work that God has called. In fact, you know what you ought to do you just uh, to, as, as we're starting on this? Maybe you ought to keep a log for the next several days and log how much time you're devoting to walking worthy of your calling how much time you're actually devoting every day to walk worthy of the of the job that God's called you to do and then maybe keep a log of how much you're doing to do what you do in the natural to make a living it's an eye-opener but anyway, I had, him, I had him logging time to show what he did for the ministry. And, and he, wasn't, he wasn't spending as much time as what he imagined. You know, sometimes, I, know, I, know, I know sometimes we imagine that we're busy. And so we tell people we're busy and we're not really busy. We just imagine that we are. We're imagining all the things that we have to do, but we're not really that busy. We just, it's, it's in our imagination. And so I, I got, I got with him and I said, listen, he was having, they were struggling. He and his, his wife were struggling financially. They were newlyweds. And I said, here's what I'm going to do. I said, I'm, I'm going to, uh, uh, I, I'd already, draw, uh, um, kind, I, I'd, uh, reduced his pay because he wasn't earning what I was giving him. And, and I wanted to make sure that he had some incentive 
to, to, to earn a better living. And so I said, uh, I'm going to have you quit traveling with me because I don't really need you on the road. And I want you to devote yourself to these things that are really your main responsibility. And um, so uh, I want you to make phone calls. I want you to schedule meetings. I want you to uh, arrange hotels and, and uh, accommodations and take care of all of the uh, um, all of the logistics of, of, of what we have to do is we travel and you can do that from home. And I said, you can get a part-time job to supplement your income that you're getting from the ministry. And that way you're taking care of your family and you're still a part of the ministry. And he was like, yeah, but the only part I like is the traveling part. I was like, yeah, but that's the only part. I mean, that's the only part that I don't need. I can, I can travel by myself. I mean, I can, I can eat my food by myself. I don't need to pay for somebody else's food to enjoy my food. I don't need to pay for someone else's expenses to get on the road and to do what I, I mean, if, if there was something that you were doing that was helpful in that, well, I, I, I catch people. I was like, anyone can catch people. I mean, it's not like you're a professional catcher. In fact, sometimes you end up on the floor with everybody else and you're, you know, you're not doing that either. You know, I wasn't, I wasn't being ugly to, I'm just like, I, I don't need you there. What I need is I need someone to take care of this. He said, well, I don't like that part of the ministry. I said, which is exactly why I hired you. Oh, yeah. I said, because if I have to do it, why should I pay you? Why shouldn't I just pay myself the, what I would pay you to do what you don't like to do? And then, you know, you come on the road and you can do all the fun stuff, but I'm not going to pay you to have fun. I'm I'm trying to pay you to do work. Anyway, he made a statement that was shocking to me. He said, if it wasn't for me, you wouldn't be anywhere in this ministry. <laughs> it's because of me that you have any place to preach. It's because I got you into these places. And if it wasn't for me, you would have nothing. And I was like, dear God, you know, I've never even thought that highly of myself. I never even thought the ministry functioned because of me. <laughs> I only, I, I only ever thought the ministry did any good because the Lord Jesus chose us and set us apart and anointed us for the purpose of doing ministry. And so, listen, don't be high-minded. Tell someone, don't be high-minded. Some of you have a tendency to get full of yourselves. Become a legend in your own mind. Thinking that some things won't succeed in your absence. Or if you don't get to touch it, that somehow or another it won't work. <laughs> Listen, I'm going to tell you, God's, God's, God's going to do his work. Amen. So with loneliness, with meekness, uh, patience, long-suffering, suffering a long time, suffering a long time, say long-suffering. Yeah, you're going to suffer a long time. That's patience, patience, forbearing one another, putting up with each other. Some of you, listen, some of you need to quit being so sensitive. You need to get thicker skin. You need to quit getting your drawers in a bunch when stuff don't go, when stuff starts rubbing on your insecurities. Listen, we, we can't be running after you trying to go, trying to get after, uh, trying to help your insecurities all the time. We, we don't have time for that. We all grew thick enough skin that we got over it. Eh? We got over ourselves. You can get over yourself. If I could get over myself, you can get over yourself. Amen. <laughs> I know, see, some of you are like, well, I know, I know I signed up for this. I know. 
But see, these are the things that I, what, what we don't understand is that if the enemy can find a, a button to push and a lever to pull in your life, if he can find insecurities that are going to get you to disconnect and to disengage and to, and to break rank, to, to switch, to swap your loyalties. Listen, if the devil can get you to swap loyalties, he's going to push those buttons and pull those levers every week just to get you to switch. Amen. You leave yourself susceptible to the enemy when you allow that nonsense to work in your life. So you know what you have to do? You have to subdue it. You have to bring it under control. You have to remind yourself. Amen. You have to, you know, when, whenever, whenever things get difficult for me in ministry, you know, what I, you know what I have to remember? God set me here. God set me in this place. If God set me here, who can move me? If God, I mean, nobody can move me except for myself. If God set me here, and so I have to remember, God set me here. Well, if God set me here, then he has, uh, he has a plan for me to succeed. He has a plan for me to overcome. Whatever, whatever adversity I'm facing, he's made a plan for me to win. Whatever insecurity that I'm facing in my life, he has a plan for me to get over that, to get past it so that I can achieve what he wants me to achieve. Amen. Whatever mountain's in my way, that mountain's got to move in the name of Jesus. That's what scripture says. We'll say unto this mountain, be, be removed, be cast into the sea. Amen. And it has to obey us. Praise God. So you have to remind yourself. Amen. We have to, we have to deal with one another. We have, to, uh, we have to be willing to put up with one another. And we have to be willing to deal with with the things that the image, I'm sorry, I'm trying to, <clears throat> let me swallow. I'm, I'm trying to swallow and talk at the same time. That doesn't work. <laughs> Amen. So anyway, verse three, endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. There's one body and one spirit, even as you're called into one hope of your calling, one, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and father uh, of all who is above all, through all and in y'all. But unto every one of us is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. Uh, let's read that in the Amplified. Let me read it to you here. Um, hallelujah. Verse 7, it says, Yet grace, God's unmerited favor, was given to each of us individually, not indiscriminately, but in different ways. You hear that? So God's grace, God's, God's unmerited favor was given to each of us individually, not indiscriminately, but in different ways in proportion to the measure of Christ's rich and bounteous gift. Amen. And so uh, that's a, that, that is awesome. Y'all understand that, don't you? So God's grace has been given to every one of us. I, I explained this in the morning service. So Benny Hinn has grace to minister healing to the sick. Some of you, you don't have that grace working in your life. But that's the grace that God gave Benny Hinn. And God gave Benny Hinn that grace uh, according to the measure of the gift and according to the measure with which God wanted to use him. Now, can all of us heal the sick? Can all of us minister healing to sick people? How do you know that? Because the Word of God tells us, right? What does the Word of God say? 
The believers, will lay, the believers will lay hands on the sick and the sick will recover. It's a sign that will follow the believer. But how many of you know that the believer may not have the same results as Benny Hinn does? Why? Because Benny Hinn carries a, uh, an extraordinary, a, a, a beyond the ordinary measure of grace in the area of ministering healing to the sick. It's the grace that God has given him to carry in this life. Amen. Billy Graham had a grace to win the lost. Now, uh, can every believer win the lost? You think every believer can win the lost and the, on the same measure as Billy Graham? No. And, and listen, it's not that we, can't, we shouldn't work as hard. It's not that we shouldn't devote ourselves as much. You know, just because we can't have it like Billy Graham had it doesn't mean we shouldn't devote ourselves completely to it. Isn't that right? Amen. But some of us, we find ourselves not really devoting ourselves to the things of God unless we're doing it uh, in, some, uh, in some measure or on some level that, we, that in our minds we see as being more important or more productive. Amen. Does that make sense? So I'm, 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 trying to get, I'm trying to get us in here where we, we understand some of the obstacles that have hindered us and stood in our way. You know, it's not really the Lord that's trying to keep us from our purpose. God's not trying to frustrate you. God's not trying to wring you out. God wants you to know what your purpose is, and he wants you to be about the business of getting it done. He wants to anoint you with the Spirit. I mean, God wants to anoint you powerfully with the Spirit to get about doing what he's called you to do. Much of the hindrance that, that we face doesn't come from God trying to keep us in the dark or keep us from discovering it. Most of what keeps us from it is that we have... Uh, we, have, we have a different idea about what God's called us to do than what he has. Our idea is different than his. The way we see it is different than... Our picture is different than his picture. Oh, yeah. Amen. And so, so Billy Graham, he had a grace to win the lost on a higher level in a greater measure. Amen. Brother Hagin, he, he, he functioned in faith. How many of you know that Brother Hagin got out there in big time faith? Oh, yeah. Now, does that mean every believer can function on the same level of faith? Now, listen, if you talk to Brother Hagin, he would tell you yes. But the reality is, no. He had, he had a measure of grace in his life that caused him to function on a higher level of faith than most people function. This, this is the one thing that people in, in more recent times have discouraged uh, this, this is the thought process or this concept is something that ministers have discouraged more recently in the body of Christ. Um, we, were, uh, we, we, we hosted a conference called the Power and Love Conference here in Oklahoma City. Um, anybody remember what those fellows' names were? Um, Todd White and uh, oh, what was the other guy's name? Uh, Dan, Dan Moeller and uh, several others came. We hosted them. They were downtown Oklahoma City. We as a church uh, helped to host them uh, and bring them here to Oklahoma City to have this Power and Love Conference. Now, this Power and Love Conference is a conference where they teach people how to, how to do ministry. Have any of y'all ever had any exposure to that ministry? A lot of you from, from our church have. All right. So what they do is they get these ministers together that teach people, you have the power to do ministry. You have a gift. You, much like what I'm teaching. 
You have a gift. God has anointed you. God's spirit is in you. God wants you to share the gospel. Not only does he want you to share the gospel in word, but he wants you to share the gospel with power. So we're going to teach you how to hear from the spirit. We're going to teach you how to get words of knowledge. We're going to teach you how to go out on the street. And, and uh, in some circles, they call it treasure hunting where God gives you a word of knowledge and he gives you this word of knowledge and you go out and, and you look for uh, what the Lord shows you. For example, um, uh, one girl had come to, to the mall and Tyler was working at the mall and um, she came in there and she said, I was praying and the Lord showed me you. And she show, he showed me that I needed to pray for you about blindness. Well, you know, Tyler doesn't even wear glasses. So Tyler's like, that's great, but I'm not blind. And, and I mean, what, what, a, what a coincidence that she would come to someone who's not just a believer, but someone who's a spirit-filled believer, tongue-talking believer, that believes in the gifts of the spirit, believes in the gift of the word of God. So Tyler looks at this girl and he's like, you are flakier than a two-crust pie. That's what he's thinking in his mind. But all of a sudden, there appears someone in the mall who's, they have a, a cane with six inches of red, blind. And Tyler goes, hey, there's your blind person. Well, this person said, no, I saw you. I think you need to minister to the blind person. And so Tyler, listen, Tyler wasn't going to, Tyler wasn't going to, uh, okay, you don't want this? I mean, that'd be like putting a donut in front of me and, or putting a, if I put a donut in front of one of you and said, here, do you want this? And you said, no, listen, it ain't going to sit there. I'm going to take it. Right. You know, this person like, no, I'm not going to pray for that. So Tyler's like, okay, I'll go. Tyler went up to him and laid hands on him, prayed over him in the name of Jesus, and they received their healing. God healed this person of blindness in the mall. Now, while Tyler, listen, Tyler was there working his secular job. And the Lord anointed him and, and used him to do the job that God had called him to do. All right. So th this was, this was kind of teaching a power of love. But while I was there, and I'm not, don't get me wrong. I'm not knocking these fellows. I'm not throwing anybody under the bus. It's just an idea and a concept that, that's uh, running rampant in the church. And, and, and has been more recently, probably over the last 10 years, uh, maybe, maybe a little bit longer than that. But while we were at Power and Love, what they were trying to tell people, I remember uh, Dan Moeller, is that his name, Dan Moeller? One of those fellas got up and was preaching. And uh, in fact, I heard, I heard at least two or three of them do this. They, they, they began to tell testimonies of the things that God had done while they were out doing ministry. They began to tell about things. And then they said this, Please, listen, do not come to us after service and ask us to pray for you. Do not come up here and think that we have something special. We don't have anything special. Every one of us can do this. You know what? That's not true. Right. Go ahead now. Church, there are some people that have something distinctly special about their lives. That go, Ted, you know what? I've been all over this nation and in several parts of the world. And you know, I have never met anyone like this brother here. Right. Not one. I have never met anyone that, and now Ted, you know, Ted's more in the mode of helping here at Winter's Church. But when he was on the road with me, I'm going to tell you something. There was, he was second to none. He was second to none. Although I will say that Sheree, uh, 
does a fantastic job. But I'm going to tell you something. I never, I never, but Tree's different calling. I never met, I never met anyone called to armor bear and to serve like this brother served. Never. And everywhere I went, listen to me, everywhere I went, Ted never got up. You know, Ted never got up and preached in one of those meetings. Not one of them. I went all over and preached. He went with me for 30, over 30 years. And he got up a handful of times to testify, but he never, not one time. Well, well no, you did get up and preach one time because my back went out. But anyway, or, and twice, I left you in, when, when Gabe busted his face and came back and left you in uh, Fort Worth. So twice Ted got up to preach during revival meetings that I can, that I can remember. Twice in 30-something years. Do you know Ted's ministry was probably more impactful than my ministry over those years? Because when I'd go back to those churches, to, to, when I would schedule with those pastors, you know what they'd tell me? They'd say, are you bringing Ted? If, and then they, they'd say this. They said, if you don't bring Ted, don't come. Now, they would say it jokingly. But there was a, you know, you could tell they were kind of serious. Because Ted, Ted's ministry and the anointing. Now, you know what? I've seen Ted try to serve in the flesh, and it, and it stinks. Oh, yeah. It, it, don't, it don't come across good. It's off-putting. It's annoying. It, it, rubs you, it rubs you the wrong way. But, man, when Ted gets over there in the anointing and gets in the flow of the Spirit, second to none. Second, I'm telling you right now, you don't even, you don't even notice what, what, he, what he's doing when he's doing. It's not till after it's all done and he's sitting over in a corner somewhere and you're like, dear God, and it hits you. I mean, it, it just, it, 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 uh, sometimes it brings the sting of conviction. It certainly brings you to the place where you want to serve God more, where you want to serve others more, where you want to love people with a different kind, uh, you know, with a higher level of love than what you have uh, in the past. So, I've, I've, I mean, I've seen, I've, I've seen this in Ted. You know what? Not everybody can do that. I don't expect that from Carolyn. I'm going to tell you right now, Ted couldn't have done it outside of the anointing. Boy, he he right. can't take credit. He can't sit there and be like, mm-hmm. That's right. I serve, baby. That's right. You know, in the, I mean, I'm going to tell you, you get Ted in the flesh. Some of you have dealt with Ted in the flesh. Oh, yeah. I, I've, I've, hard, I've never met anyone. I've never met anyone more generous than Ted when Ted gets in the spirit. I've, not, I've never met anyone more shrewd than Ted. I'm going to tell you, if you borrow $5 from Ted, you're going to pay him back. You'll get, a, you'll get a phone call three times a day, every day. And it doesn't matter what time of the morning. Or what time of the night, he'll be like, I just wanted to remind you, you said you was going to pay me tomorrow. I just want to give you the heads up. I'll be expecting that. And you know what? Some people are put off by it. You know what? I've never been put off by that. You know why? Because it exemplifies what is God and what is Ted. You know, when you, when you see, when those things in, in Ted's life or in anybody's life rub us the wrong way, that's when we ought to go, ooh, look at God. Amen. Look at God. Oh, yeah. Boy, that's right. The working of God's grace and the anointing of God's uh, in one's life uh, can be easily identified. Oh, yeah. That's right. 
Amen. And so these, these folks would say, now Ted might say, oh, I don't, I don't have anything special. Well, yeah, he does. I mean, nothing to be proud of necessarily, but he does have something special. It's the anointing. There, there's a gift. He functions on a higher level. If it comes to serving, if Ted, listen, if Ted kicks into servitude on the level that I've seen him, y'all don't even have a chance. Y'all don't have a chance to serve on the level that he serves because he's anointed for it. You know what? If he gets kicked in real good, you might as well just sit back and watch. Don't even try to compete. You're not going to. You'll be competing with God Almighty himself because Ted serves on, a, on that kind of level. But it would be wrong for Ted to tell everybody, every one of you could. Now, listen, he thinks that everyone can serve the same way he does. Because to him, it's natural. But it's not natural. It's supernatural. It's the anointing. See, we have to. Are y'all hearing any of this? We have to identify those things in our life. There's the, we, and we, we should want to lean over there into that supernatural. Believe me, all of us know when you've gotten out of the spirit and in the flesh. It's very off-putting when we get in the flesh. It's very, much, it's very much not good when we get off in the flesh. I mean, we can, we can be doing good, but it's never on the level when we're anointed, of, uh, same level as when we're anointed of God and the Spirit of God is working with us. And so when these fellows, like Todd White, Todd White would get up and say, listen, don't come up here and have me, I'm nothing special. That's a lie. That, that's a lie. You know what? In, personally, as, as a man, he's just a man like everybody else, but he's a man that God has anointed with a gift, with a vocation, with a calling. And uh, he gets people healed better than other people get people healed. And so we can't be trying to run people off and, and trying to make people believe that everybody can do the things that God has called us and anointed us to do. If God called you and he anointed you and he, uh, and, and he gave you a, a special gift, uh, and which he has, a special calling, which he has, then no one's going to do that calling as well as you can. And there's some people that can benefit from hanging out with you while you're functioning under that anointing and working in that calling. But don't try to tell everybody that they can do it just as good as you can. If it's what God called you to do, they can't. And the only reason you can is because of God. Does that make sense? Any questions so far? We're talking about... When you talk about the... Uh, let's just take it back to... Um, the, the 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 preacher uh, no no the the other guy from Tulsa where Pastor Mikey Kenneth Kenneth, uh, not Kenneth Hagen is Kenneth Hagen yeah Kenneth Hagen and then Billy Graham those would more fall under like a Dominion anointing right a what uh, like a Dominion anointing yeah I mean there there are some people and I'm not sure that we'll necessarily get into that but there are some people that God has it's God's purpose for them to be elevated to a place where uh, people like Kenneth Hagin, uh, people that have worldwide, international impact. Um, you know, there are some people that I've heard preach that preach on the same level as someone like a Billy Graham or a, the delivery of their message is so powerful and so impactful. 
yet the 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 the, uh, the scope of their ministry isn't as large. And, and you kind of scratch your head and wonder why. You know, I'm going to be honest with you. Some people, when they come to Winter's Church, if they heard me preach somewhere else, they come here and they're like, why is this church so small? It's hard for them to understand and to conceptualize why when we go to places and we have revival, why we come back here to Oklahoma City and have such a small congregation of people. Well, you know, you know what, church? God doesn't want everyone to have thousands and thousands and thousands of people in their church. There are compromises that have to be made when you have that kind of church. There are, way, there are different ways you have to structure things. There are different ways that things have to be done. It doesn't mean that we won't become that at some point, but right now we're doing exactly what the Lord wants us to do. But there's some people, they're perplexed, you know. Um, but God, God elevates people to, to prominence because that's his design and that's his purpose. Benny Hinn called it a dominion anointing. And, uh, and I mean, he, I guess he could talk about it. He ought to be an expert. He's one of those people that God anointed with an anointing that was international and worldwide and, and impacted the world. But you know, not everyone is called to do that. And, and it don't really have to do with your ability either. Benny Hinn, I think he's a great communicator. I don't think he's as great of a communicator as Billy Graham. Reinhard Bunky. You know what? I don't even know why God used Reinhard Bunky because I didn't think Reinhard Bunky was good at putting three words together. Right. But the anointing that was on his life was extremely impactful. Right. I didn't. I didn't understand it for the longest time. Shri, she just was enamored with Reinhard Bunky. You know, I was like, I was like, you mean Sebastian the Crab? <laughs> Every time I heard Reinhard Bunky, I wanted to hear him go under the sea. Under the sea. <clears throat> but when they, when, when, they, when they brought their ministry to Oklahoma City, and I was in that meeting, in that Reinhard Bunky meeting in Oklahoma City, while I was sitting there, the meeting hadn't even started yet. And the anointing that was on that man's ministry came upon me. And I received an impartation that day. Listen, I'm going to tell you right now. I sat there and I thought, my God. This guy's got an, and I, all of a sudden I understood. It wasn't his ability to put words together and to structure a sermon. It's the anointing. See, that's what, that's what we're trying to talk about here. You are anointed. God has anointed you for a purpose. And if you will stand in that anointing and, and, and flow in that purpose, you become unstoppable. More influential than you could ever be on your own. Amen. I got one. Just a This is actually a question. So it's safe to say that the abiding anointing ultimately is our responsibility and the empowering anointing is God's responsibility. Yes. And what that be on the gifts is ultimately his responsibility. Yes. All right. Yeah. And that's why we have to rely. That's why we have to rely on the Lord. We have to rely on God because... To function in the, in the grace and in the anointing that this scripture is, for us to, and let's, let, let me give you a reminder of what we're talking about, verse 7 of, of chapter 4, yet grace, God's unmerited favor, was given to each of us individually, not indiscriminately, but in different ways, in proportion to the measure of Christ's rich and bounteous gift. 
So we're talking about that gift, that grace, that anointing, that empowering anointing, the anointing that empowers us to be able to fulfill God's purpose in our life that he gave specifically to us because that's what he created us to do. When God set you at Winner's Church, he set you at Winner's Church and he put an anointing upon you to empower you to fulfill your purpose here at Winner's Church. Now, I won't say here in Winner's Church because the anointing might take you out of Winner's Church in order for you to fulfill your purpose here. What you do may not, you may not be done within the four walls of this building. It may be on the streets of Bricktown. It may be within the walls of the hospital. But that empowering anointing, when we, when we, when we press into the Lord and we discover that empowering anointing, we realize then that it's God that empowers us. That empowering anointing, the only thing we have to do with it is our willingness, number one, to understand what it is that he's empowered us and called us to do. And number two, to yield to it, to believe it, to create an environment in our lives that will allow us to function in it, that we won't be resistant to it. That's why self-loathing, putting yourself down, always being insecure. You know, if you have to apologize to people all the time uh, and tell them, I'm sorry, I, I, feel like, I feel like I did something wrong. I feel like that you, uh, did I do something? Did I do something? Listen, you got to get over yourself. You've got to get over your death. You are, you're broken somewhere in your life. You need to let the Lord heal that and fix that because you'll never function in the anointing of God, the, the anointing that God has for you. If you do. I hear people do that all the time. People come to me all the time, Pastor, I just, I, I just want to make sure that I didn't say something wrong. Listen, if, don't worry. You, you've got, you got to rely on the Lord. You've got to lean in to the Lord. If you say something that I'm offended with, I'll come to you. We'll talk about it. I do what the Bible says. If I have ought against someone, I'll come to you. Amen. It's probably not going to happen because I don't have ought against. I'm trying to think last time I really had ought against somebody. The guy at Northwest Expressway, yes. Yes. <laughs> Thank you, Michael. I should have known you tucked that way in your files. <laughs> yes, yes. That would have been, I'm not sure that I would have, I was harboring any ought as much as I was just mad at the moment, but, um, but I'm, I'm thinking of a couple of things that, uh, where I was tempted, you know, possibly to, to take up an offense. And uh, it's not that it never, the, the opportunity never occurs. It's just the process I think that I go through to, uh, to avoid offense. Um, but, th but those are the things that keep us. Those are the things that hinder us. You understand? Um, we, we've got to remove all the things that, it, that, uh, that encumber us and keep us. Are y'all hearing this at all? Yeah. I know it sounds impossible, but it's not impossible. Right. It's not impossible. All right, so to every one of us has been given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. So you have, a, you have a purpose. You have a function. Are there any other questions, by the way? Any other questions before we go on, move forward with this? <clears throat> am, I making, am I clear what I'm saying? All right, because I feel like I'm, I'm, I'm uh, tripping over my tongue every now and again, and uh, I don't want to do that. So he says this, he says, uh, 
so let's read on. I'm going to read it, start reading in the, uh, in, the, in the King James here again. But unto every one of us has been given grace according to the measure of the good of Christ. Wherefore he saith, when he ascended on high, he led captivity captives, and he gave gifts unto men. So, so uh, Jesus gave gifts unto men. Now that he ascended, but what is it but that he, that he also descended first into the lower parts of the earth? He that descended is the same also that ascended up far above all the heavens that he might fill all things. I'm just realizing I didn't clean my lens uh, since the last time. <clears throat> he descended is the same also that ascended far above all the heavens that he might fill all things. Verse 11 is talking about the gifts that Jesus gave. A grace that he gave to different ones. And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers. So we call this fivefold ministry gifts. Now we know not everyone's called to fivefold ministry. Is that right? right? Not everyone's called to be an apostle, a prophet, an evangelist, a pastor, or a teacher. Those, those gifts Jesus gave to the church, he gave to men. And he chooses those uh, who he's going to use in those particular uh, giftings. Um, you can't pray for ministry gifts. You can't fast for ministry gifts. You can't, uh, you can't put in a petition to the Lord that he use you in a ministry gift. You're either called or you're not called. He either chose you for that or he didn't choose you for that. There are certain things that God's going to do with you that you, you can't pray him out of it. Now, there's some things you can pray for, like spiritual gifts that we'll talk about in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. But ministry gifts, you can't pray for. You can't pray for those. God's either called you and he's anointed you to do some of these things, or he hasn't. Amen. So you say, so how do I know whether I'm called to ministry? Anybody wonder? How do I know if I'm called to be an apostle, a prophet, an evangelist, a pastor, or a teacher? Uh, can I can I tell you can I, can I tell you a little bit about my experience? When I got born again, I, I think when I got born again, I was aware of the fact that God had something for me. In fact, even before I got saved, my mother tells me, and she told me this much later. I didn't know it before, but my mother said that my dad used to watch me when I was younger. He was watching me grow up. I was probably a toddler, and and I was I was. Um, to him, I was a crybaby. I'd cry over everything. I was very sensitive. I was a sissy. And uh, <laughs> I was a sissy and a mama's boy. And I, I'm not ashamed of it. <laughs> I, I was very sensitive. But my dad, my dad, he would see me. And, and um, now my dad, he, he's never been born again. He's, I don't believe. He's never, he's never really served the Lord and lived for the Lord he doesn't have the spirit of God in him, not, not that I know of, unless something happened and I was unaware. But my mother said that he would watch me and he would watch the way I would act. And he'd say, he would, say, he would make this statement, with my luck, he'll grow up to be a preacher. With my luck, he'll grow up to be a preacher. There were kids that I went to school with. One time I went off on a guy because he made me mad and I went into a tirade that lasted 30 minutes. I don't think I breathed for 30 minutes. I just went into a tirade and I tore this guy up one side and down the other. When I finally shut up long enough, uh, my friends, one of my friends said, man, you ought to be a preacher. So 
even before I got born again, there was, there was evidence that there was something going on in my life that was, that was different, that, that there was something that was working in me that God had a plan. So when I got born again, I knew that God had a plan for my life, but I wasn't aware of what it was. Do you know what my hope was? My hope was is that God would put me somewhere to serve under someone to be a help to them. I wanted to, I wanted to be a help. I wanted to, be, to serve. And one day we're, I'm driving down the road with my aunt. I'd probably been born again about two and a half months. And she said, <laughs> she said, uh, um, what are you going to be when you grow up? And I said, I'm going to be a lawyer. She said, why? I said, money. I hear they make a lot of money and I want a lot of money. And she goes, well, have you ever stopped to consider that maybe God called you to preach? I said, never did. I, you know what? Nothing. Uh, there wasn't an explosion that went off in me. There was, I didn't have an epiphany. I didn't have a revelation. I didn't fall into a trance. Um, an angel didn't appear with a coal from off the altar and touch my lips. You know what I'm saying? None of Jesus didn't appear. And, you know, verily, verily, I say unto thee. That didn't happen in that moment. I, I, I said, well, I never have considered it. She said, you know, I kind of feel like that God may have called you to preach. I said, well, if, if he did, I don't know nothing about it. That was before I got baptized in the Spirit. Then I got baptized in the Holy Ghost, started praying in tongues. Do you know when you get filled with the Holy Ghost and start to pray in tongues, that, honestly, if you, if you knew the power that, that there was praying in tongues, you'd be praying in tongues right now under your breath while I was talking. If you knew the power of praying in tongues, I'm going to tell you right now, the minute I prayed in tongues, I didn't quit talking in tongues for months, maybe over a year. I spoke in tongues for probably over a year. Under my breath, I was talking in tongues constantly. Everywhere I went, people would talk to me. And I'd be like, Shh, don't bother me. Oh, yeah. and they thought I was flakier than a two-crust pie. They didn't know Listen, it wasn't attractive. Annie was the only one even paid any attention to me there for a minute. And, and, they, and they were telling her, he's too holy for you. You need to, you need to leave him alone. But yeah, man, I mean, and she'll tell you, I mean, I'm not lying. Uh, I, I, I did. So praying, being baptized in the Holy Ghost and praying in the spirit, I'm going to tell you right now is you, you can't put, you can't put a value. I mean, it is in the, the value is immeasurable. It's immeasurable. That's why the enemy try to keep people from doing it. Because the value goes so far beyond. You start praying in tongues and you go start discovering your purpose. You, you go to spending time really praying in the Holy Ghost and, and shutting your mind down and, and allowing your spirit to come alive. I'm going to tell you right now, it's going to revolutionize your life. That's why the devil keep putting stuff in your way and try to keep you from doing it. Amen. So anyway, I went to praying in the Holy Ghost and that's when I had the vision of me Going into the ministry. The minute I had the vision of, of going into the ministry, everywhere that I went, people recognized it. Every prophet that was anywhere would prophesy it. 
I, I went to a tent meeting and tent preacher prophesied it. I would, I would be at church and visiting minister. We had a visiting minister from like uh, Scotland or Ireland or some, some land out there, somewhere out there. He had a thick accent, but he, was, he, he functioned in the gift of the word of knowledge and he was an evangelist. He looked at me. I remember, I remember he walked in the door. I was, I was waiting on the front row. He walked in the door and he walked uh, up, to the, up to the pulpit as about an hour before church started. I was the only one there. I used to get to church at least an hour early to pray. And he walked in with the pastor and Pastor T introduced me. He said, this is one of the young men in our church, um, you know, and they called me Shaggy then. And so I, I, I got up and I shook his hand. And when I shook his hand, he goes, you have the same gift that I have. He says, God has anointed you and called you to preach and to minister healing to sick people. He looked at my pastor. He said, it was crazy. He said, we need to lay hands on him right now and anoint him and set him apart and ordain him for ministry. My pastor looked at him and said, we will not. This kid's crazy enough. You're going to give him a license to act crazier. He was like, no, we will not. We will talk about it later. And he went on and he, but the whole time, the whole time that I was there, he, he would recognize that he would, he would talk to me. He'd be like, you, he, he was getting words of knowledge and he would tell me, he would stop in the service and he would tell me what it is that he was doing and how the Lord would talk to him. And, and I, I, I would just be like, amen, you know, but I mean, everywhere I went, I could go someplace where nobody knew me and people were saying, man, you're anointed. You know, God has anointed you and he has called you out. When Ted saw me, he came, he said, you're anointed. God has called, God, God, God drew me to you. What's, what's up with you? It happened all the time. So if God's called you to ministry, it's not just, it's not just, um, it's not just one person that's going to recognize it. There'll be lots of people around you that recognize it. Oh yeah. you're called to be a pastor, apostle, prophet, teacher, an evangelist, there'll be a time when you can hardly go anywhere without someone telling you. That's right. You know this is your call. You know this as well. And not just people that are prophetic people. Of course, nowadays, you got to kind of wade through the yo-yos. Oh, yeah. But you'll know when it's the Lord. You'll know when it's the Lord. It won't just be in those meetings where people tell you what you want to hear. Amen. You know, if I hadn't, if, if I hadn't said nothing yet, you might want to wait. <laughs> Go ahead now. Got awfully quiet in here, didn't it? See, because here's the thing. We, 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 as, as, much as, as much as we want to hear what God has called us to do, we don't want to hear what God hadn't called us to do. Pastor, are you saying God tells you everything about everybody? No, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying when you're called to fivefold ministry, when God has anointed you and called you and set you apart for fivefold ministry to be a fivefold ministry gift, it's recognizable in the life of the individual. And God goes out of his way to confirm it and to make it known. And so if it was only you that heard it, and then a couple of people that, that um, you know, that are well-meaning probably, and, and uh, 
they themselves called themselves to a prophetic ministry and had a word for you after they, you know, uh, ate a pizza at Hall's Pizza Kitchen. You know, that's close to the anointing, but it's not quite the anointing. <laughs> the other thing that will happen is that God will tell you. He'll make it clear. Not just through others. He'll wake you up in the middle of the night and tell you he called you. Tell you that he anointed you. Amen. Even when you don't agree with it. Ask Pastor Annie. She didn't agree with it not one bit. In fact, when the Lord called her, she didn't even recognize that it was the call right away. Because it wasn't what she wanted to hear. Do you know when God called and anointed Annie to preach that picture in my office there with Shambach laying hands on us, that's when the Lord called Pastor Annie into the pastoral ministry. Oh, yeah. Do you know when she figured out that that's when God called her into pastoral ministry? I think the last revival we had. <laughs> when she finally embraced the call. And, and I, it may have been as a result of something that I said. We were sitting at lunch with Pastor Ben and Tammy. And I said, you know, I, I believe Annie's called to pastor this church more than I'm called to pastor this church. I think God's called her to pastor. And I, I know I'm a prophet, but I know she's a pastor. And then Annie, Annie made this statement. She said, yeah, but I've never even heard the call to preach. I've never heard God tell me I was supposed to be a pastor. And the Lord said, I sure did tell her. I was like, well, Lord, when did you tell her? He said, he said remember, she said, we, you weren't starting a church. You weren't going to pastor no church. And then you went to Shambach, and I told her. I didn't tell you. You already knew. I told her, you're going to pastor a church. She never dreamed I was talking to her. She thought I was talking to her for you. But I told her she would pastor. Oh, yeah. I looked over at Annie. I said, Annie, you got the call of God at that Shambach ministry. Amen. Amen. You know what? Y'all recognized it long before she did. Go ahead now. Amen. So God will tell you personally. If God don't tell you, listen, I'm with, look, don't, don't go pestering God about, to, Lord, tell me, tell me I'm called to five-fold ministry. Listen, if he hadn't told you, if you've been born again for 10, 15, 20 years and you hadn't heard the call yet, to five-fold ministry, you're probably not a five-fold minister. So we don't want to waste our time. Do you know how else you can tell if you're called to be a five-fold minister? If, you're, if you can preach or teach. If you get up and you start teaching people and people are like, man, that was, wow, glory tech. Ooh, say that again. You come, off the, you come off the platform when someone asked you to say a couple of words. And, you know, I remember the first time I let Ayla get up and talk. I was like, dear God, I might as well not even get up no more. And it's true. Ayla, she got up there. It was in, it was in Richmond. She expounded. She, she is supposed to testify. She expounded on the word. I was like, my God. I sat there. She was like, amen. She trying to hand me the mic. I'm like, go on, go on. You know what? After that service, people came up to Ayla and said, Ayla, you know, Pastor Harris, who, who's the pastor of that church and uh, where, I mean, this is a town where Ayla's from. You know, Ayla came here right after the revival, right after she got born again. She came here and she's been here ever since. And 
Pastor Harris came to me and he, he told me this. This is a great compliment to what the Lord did in Ayla and a compliment to, well, it was supposed to be a compliment of, of what we're doing as a church, but honestly, it's the work of God. But he said to me, he said, he said uh, after that night, he told me, he said, what about Ayla? I said, isn't Ayla awesome? He said, I'm going to tell you something. He said, I'm glad she didn't stay here. He said, because if she just, listen, he's testifying this about his own church. He said, if she'd have stayed in this church, she wouldn't have grown as much as she's grown over there at your church. He said, I've never, this is his testimony. He said, I have never seen so much growth in one individual in my whole, in my whole ministry, in my whole life. Never. I've never seen someone grow up to being that strong ever like Ayla is. I was like, well, she's called. She's anointed. He's like, oh, you think? <laughs> Amen. So uh, the evidence of the, of the call will be in your life. You will be a preacher. You won't just be someone who gets a, you know, some people can get up uh, and do this. Uh, and, you can, and, and people might be like, oh, yeah, woohoo. But then when you get done, don't nobody know what you said. Now, you'll be a preacher. You'll expound upon the word of God. People will hear what you said and know what you was talking about. When you teach, people will hear it. They'll understand what you said. They'll know what you was talking about. They won't sit there and look at you like a calf looking at a new gate. Because some people, when they get up to preach, y'all know what I'm talking about. There have been people got up and preached in this pulpit. that y'all, y'all, Everybody left and was like, now, what did they say again? What are we supposed to do? How are we supposed to do this? Because some of y'all aren't called to preach. You're not called to five-fold ministry. Amen. Then others, you'll get up and God's grace will be on you. and you go, But you avoid preaching. You're able to do it, but you, you avoid doing it. I don't have time. Let me put it in my schedule. Let me arrange things so I can. Listen, it ain't you. Amen. Amen. All right. Another, another evidence will be in your life if you're, if you're called to preach is the gifts of the Spirit will work in you more regularly than they work in others. Right. Go ahead, Adam. Are y'all hearing this? Yeah. The gifts of the Spirit. You say, what gifts? Well, it depends on the call. If you're an evangelist, you'll minister healing, usually to sick people. Now, not all the time. Shri hears me say that, and she's like, I'm believing God for that. I, I want to I see that happen more in my, in my life since I'm an evangelist. That's not always what an evangelist does, but it's one of those things that we see regularly in the, in the ministry of an evangelist. If not, healing's uh, definitely a working of miracles, signs and wonders. She does see that. She does see that. Amen. Amen. Prophets will have miracles happen in their ministries. Demonstrations, signs and wonders. Amen. So the gifts of the Spirit will be more evident in those uh, people's lives. Now, is all hope lost if you're not called to a ministry gift? No. There are other things that we can do in uh, different ways that we serve and we fulfill our purpose within the church. Any questions?
Don't stop me in the hall after this. I ain't, I ain't staying. Don't do it. Be bold. All right. Thank you. Okay, so I'm ashamedly confused a little bit about the difference between the calling and the gift and as far as, so the, well, I guess the evangelist teachers, apostles, pastors, teachers, mm -hmm. those would be considered callings or gifts? Those are ministry gifts that... Um, now, the, the, the calling, a calling for us is that God has called us. It's like getting a call to go to uh, uh, Don. Did, I, I, I know Don wished he got a call from Tesla to go to the Cybertruck event, but he didn't get that call. He, he did get a call to go to a Tesla event uh, several years ago. Was it the Gigafactory thing? Yeah, so... He got that call, but he didn't get the call for Cybertruck. Anyhow, so getting a call to go to the Cybertruck thing would, would be this. You got a call. You're headed that way. You, you're not there till you get there, but you've been called. That's the call. So the call is when God has something for you, you're on the journey to get there, but you haven't arrived yet. So some of you, like me, God called me to be an evangelist, but I didn't step into that. I didn't step into that, uh, into that flow and into the fullness of that calling until I really became. I wasn't an evangelist when I was called. I was an evangelist when I became an evangelist. Some people get the call and they put it on their business card. God called me to preach. Um, now, and, and you get their card, and it's Reverend so-and-so. Well, listen, God called you, but that doesn't mean that. You, you might be called to be a brain surgeon. Uh, you might know that when you're 10 years old, but you're not a brain surgeon at 10. You're not a brain surgeon until you go through the process that makes you a brain surgeon. You're not an evangelist till you go through the process that makes you an evangelist. Some people, the process is long. Some people, the process is short. But there's a process. There's something you have to go through to get there. So that's the call. The gift is the gift of an evangelist, the ministry gift of an evangelist. There's an endowment. There's an anointing associated with that calling. And that anointing, that endowment comes upon you and works and functions when you arrive at the place where God launches you into your ministry. So does that, does that make sense? Oh, yeah. So uh, the, the ministry gift of what we said was an evangelist, a prophet. God called me to be a prophet, and he only let me know of the evangelistic call. Well, he, he did. That's a, that's a lie. He told me, he said, um, he said you're going to function in all fivefold ministry gifts. Between This was when I was first got saved. And, of course, when I said it, I, I took a lot of heat for it because they thought I was saying it as a thing of, I'm going to function in all the ministry. They thought it was a, a prideful thing that I, was, that I was boasting or that I was trying to say that I was some, of some great importance. That, that was not why I was saying it. I said what I heard. I was like Joseph. I didn't, I, really, I didn't really understand all that I was hearing, but I would tell everybody, and I shouldn't have, because when I would tell it, people saw it as being boastful and prideful and that I was trying to elevate myself to something that they thought would never be. And so when I, when I said God called me to be an evangelist, everybody looked at me and thought, you're, you know, I mean, the, the people that were 
in the flesh looked at me, thought I was nuts. There, but there were people that were anointed that saw it and recognized it and called it out, all right? Uh, when I told people, the Lord told me I'm going to function in all five-fold ministry gifts before I go home to be with Jesus. You know what? That has happened. I started in the evangelistic office. Then God uh, uh, put me in a prophetic office. Um, I went on staff at a church in South Oklahoma City. And one day the pastor told me to teach on this subject. I was like, I'm not a teacher. He said, well, you're about, you, you, better, you better become a teacher. I heard the Lord tell me to put, well, the Lord had told me he was going to have me to teach. Well, I, I put some things together. I got up and I began to teach like I'd never taught before. I mean, I, I taught. So I functioned in the office of a teacher for a period of time. Then um, uh, there was some person that had told me, it was a prophet, they said, God's elevating you to an apostolic office. I was like, hmm, I, don't, I didn't know nothing about that. But then God called us to plant this church, which was an apostolic. You, you have to be anointed in an apostolic calling to establish a church, to plant a church. To do what we did, the anointing of an apostle has to work in your life. So we functioned in an apostolic uh, office. And then, of course, I started pastoring uh, this church. And Ted says I've been pastoring my whole life because I pastored him and Debbie. But So I've been functioning in a pastoral office for a long period of time, but functioning in that office still yet here. So the word of the Lord was right. The word of the Lord was true. All these things happened. But th you know what? I'm not a pastor at will. I'm not an evangelist at will. I'm not a prophet at will. I function in those offices according, according to the will of the Lord and according to the purpose of God. Amen. Okay. Amen. And so um, if you're called, you should expect that you're going to arrive at the place where your calling is activated. Now, again, think about this. If you've been at this for a long time and you've not yet come to that place, I know that some people have a hope to preach. If, you, if, if, you've, not yet, if you've not yet developed that gift and that ability to preach, if it's not working in you, start paying attention to what it is that is working in you. And marry yourself to whatever it is that's working in you. Amen. Oh, yeah. Yes, sir, Gil. This might be a question that might be stirring up in other people, too. Okay. Um, you mentioned that in the next couple of days, we might be uh, finding our purpose and uh, discovering what God wants us to do. How can we align ourselves in these next couple of days? What can we do better to, um, how do I say this? What are some things that we can do so we can f focus better and hear the Lord better in these couple of days so we don't miss what he's saying to us? Be willing to accept something that you, be willing to accept something that you don't necessarily want to hear. Prepare yourself to hear something that you have maybe resisted in the past. Oh, yeah. um, be, be willing to hear whatever it is that he's saying and not just what you want to hear. I mean, it's, it's okay to have hopes, uh, but not to have delusions. Because some people have these delusions of grandeur. And some people just have a hope that God will use them in a big way. And hope is okay to have. But to have illusions and to, 
and to become a legend in your own mind. That will, that will hinder. And if you, have, if you have your mind set on one track, you know what I'm believing? I'm believing that before this is all over with, there's going to be an anointing that comes in this building. And the Spirit of the Lord is going to re reveal to us through the gifts and the anointings of the Holy Ghost what it is that God has called you to in this season. That it's just going to be revealed, whether it be through prophecy, whether it be through a vision, whether an angel comes and taps you on the shoulder or slaps you upside the head. However, whatever, however it is that he chooses to do, I'm believing that God is going to do something on that level. Because I believe that God wants us about the business of doing what it is that he's called us to do, what it is that he's anointed us to do. Has this helped anybody here at all this? Just as far. Now, I know, I know we haven't gotten way deep in there, but... Um, and I would, I would, I would pray, Lord, give me eyes to see. Lord, give me ears to hear. I want to have seeing eyes and hearing ears. I don't just want to hear what I want to hear. I want to hear what you're saying. You know, those, those are good prayers to pray. Lord, reveal to me what it is that you have for me. You know, what you might hear is what God wants you to do like right now. Uh, you know what he might tell you to do? Wait. You know what? You have to be willing to wait. What, what, what does that mean? It means what it means. You sit there and you wait. <clears throat> if someone said, hey, wait, wait here, I'll be back. What are you going to do? You're going to just wait. You don't have to have something to do while you're there. I know we've, we've, you know, we've gotten so enamored with, with technology that we feel like we always have to be busy doing something. You know, sometimes you just got to sit and be quiet and rest in the Lord and spend time in his presence. Marinate in the Holy Ghost. Let him start saturating every part of you, tenderizing you, making you. See, some of, some of you, he's trying to make you tender enough that whenever he speaks, you'll be sensitive enough to hear what it is is that he's saying. And the only thing that's going to tenderize you is waiting in his presence, resting in his presence, not being restless in his presence, waiting in his presence, waiting on him. Amen. It don't really take that long. Honestly, church, it don't really take that long when you're committed to the process. Amen. And some, and sometimes, and sometimes, you know, we, we don't think he's keeping us busy enough. You know, Lord, so you call, I'll just, Hilda's on, on, on FaceTime with us. She's there with Jack, but, you know, Hilda's one of those folks that it doesn't matter how busy she is, she wants to be busier. She always feels like she's missing out on something that the Lord wants her to do just because she's not being pulled apart on both, she's not burning the candle at both ends and in the middle. And it's hard for people that have that, that personality and that way about them, it's hard for those people to rest in the Lord and to just say, okay, Lord, I'm doing what you want me to do. Even though I feel like I could be more effective, I'm doing what you told me to do. Sheree's one of them people. If Sheree's not busy all the... <clears throat> yeah. <clears throat> If Sheree's not busy 24 hours a day doing something she thinks is productive for the Lord, she starts, she starts uh, creating things to do. Maybe I should go to school over here. Maybe I should go and sit under this. That, that was what she said for a while. She's not saying that anymore. But she would, she would start thinking of how that she... And it was all, and it was all, it was all things that in, uh, maybe in another season or in another context might have been good. But in the moment, it wasn't good. God, God just wanted her to be about the business of what he had her doing in that moment, even though it left time. You know, if it leaves time for other stuff, hang out with your kids. Go fishing. 
Amen. Pray in the Holy Ghost. Amen. Pray in the Holy Ghost. You know, there, there are things that we could, you know, there are things that we could do. But what we don't want to do is we don't want to be delusional. And so I, I want to encourage you as we, as we continue on this little journey here. And uh, I am, I'm going through this rather quickly, but um, um, things change. Say that. Some of you may have started on one road, but you're not on that road no more. And so no, you, now you've got you to gotta discern the road that God has you on. Some of you at one time, the Lord was using you in certain ways and there's certain things he wants you to do. But now he may be leading you in a different way. Oh yeah. Amen. Tyler came to a point in his life where, you know, and I, I talked about a little bit about this in Chickasha. I hope he doesn't mind me mentioning it again here. But again, <laughs> but Tyler went through a time, you know, he was a youth pastor here. He was an elder here. In this church, and then some things transpired in his life where he went through some difficulties, and he was no longer an elder, and he was no longer the youth pastor in this church because of the things that he had gone through in a, a failed, it was a failed marriage, and uh, there were some things that he was wrestling with in his life. Well, you know, uh, we're living in a different time now, a different season now than what we've lived in in the past, and lots of people have had failed marriages. Some of you are in your second marriage. Hopefully you're not in your third. But, but if you are, you know, I mean, some people experience difficulties. Some people, they lose a spouse in death. Some people, they wish they could kill their spouse. But, <clears throat> but you can be delivered. Amen. But anyhow. <laughs> but anyway, so Ty, Ty went through this difficult time. And look, look at me, y'all. Think about this. Look at me for a second. Just hang on here for one more second. I want you to think about this because we have someone in our church, not just one, but several. There's some people in our church that everything that they believed that God wanted them to do in their life at, at some point came to an end. Abruptly. Abruptly. Some because of negative circumstances and others because I stepped in and said, hey, I think maybe you need to step away from something. The people that I asked to step away from something, I could see in their minds and in their, in their hearts, they're like, I don't really want to do this, but pastor, I have so much respect for you and I love you and I, I want to be, I want to do what's right in the eyes of God. And so people have stepped out of positions and Tyler just happened to come on the heels of, of some negative things that happened in his life. And you know what? Not only did Tyler have to wrestle with the fact that he's no longer in leader, he was in leadership in this church. And, and in, in one day, he's no longer any part of leadership in any part of ministry in this church whatsoever. Nothing. Not only that, but he's going through the most negative, difficult time in his life to boot. You know what you can think when you're going through that? Why can't people just love me? Everybody always wants to pick on what's wrong and not what, never tell me what's right. All they want to see is the negative. No, that's not, that's not the deal. You know, there, 
there are times that we go through changes. Things change. Tyler, he made a mistake. And he repented. Turned away from it. Some of us have never endured that and it was hard for us to get past it. To get through times in our life. Some, listen, some of y'all, if, if I took a broom out of you, some of y'all from Temple Ministry, if I walked up to you one Sunday and I said, listen, I need for you to sit out for a while. Here, give me this broom. We're going to give your broom to somebody else. I just need for you to sit. Some of you would be so devastated you may not make it back here the following Sunday. But Tyler came out of a, now see something, Brandon's like, not me, man. You can have my broom. <laughs> see, then that's what, that's what I'm talking about. That's, the, Brandon, that, that, I'm, when I see, when I saw you do that, that puts you in a great position to hear what God is telling you. Because for you, you're like, hey, whatever, man. It's, it's, the, it's the folks that get something and they're doing something and then they hang on to it with a death grip. That think their life is nothing without. I mean, their identity is wrapped up in what they're doing. You can't do that with God. You're, you're, you have to wrap, be wrapped up in him and in the purpose to which he called you. And know that at any moment now, he could, he could uh, graduate you and elevate you and promote you to a higher place. Or he may say, now I need for you to back up and sit down. And if you, listen, if you can't make the adjustment, if you can't pivot, if you're going to get your drawers in a bunch and get your feelings hurt, you're going to go through a hard time. Know this, and, and, and please, I know, that, I know that some of you are like, you're, Pastor, are you picking on me? Some of you I know that you, this is where you're at in your life, but I'm not talking just to you. I'm talking to everyone here. This is one of the main things that will make it hard. If you, if, if you can't, if you can't, uh, be willing to turn loose of what God has for you now, even if it seems like he's demoting you. Because believe me, you follow the Lord long enough, you're going to feel like he demoted you. That's right. go ahead, like, he, he, like he took and he put you, he elevated you, and then he said, now go to the corner and stand there. Until I tell you. Yeah. <laughs> you stand there and wait until I tell you something different. So it was a long journey. It was a long journey. That's clear back in 2000, what? Uh, 2019, 2018. It was a long journey. I mean, here we are three years later. Some of you couldn't have made it three weeks. Some of us couldn't have made it three months. Three years later. Do you know that Tyler had to move forward with the idea that there was a possibility that none of that was ever restored. I gave him the assurance as his, as his pastor, not as his uncle, because as, as his uncle, I couldn't give him any assurances. I'm like, Tyler, I'm here for you. I'm your, we're family. We're going we're gonna to be we're gonna get to the other side. But as far as your pastor, I can tell you this. If you'll stay the course, if you'll be faithful to God, if you'll continue to serve the Lord, if you'll continue to be a blessing to God's people, to the kingdom, to God, uh, he will, uh, 
He knew what was coming. He knew what you were going to go through when he gave you those dreams and visions. Nowhere in the dream or in the vision did he say, you're going to blow it, and then you're just going to have to spend your life in misery thinking about what you messed up. That's not what he said. He just didn't tell you the parts that were going to be difficult. And so Tyler came through on the other side. Nakia is one of those people's come through. You know, Nakia, she came through on the other side. And things have changed. Things have changed. Michael's one of those people's come through on the other side. And things have changed. You know, God, God, um, God will bring you to the other side of this. But if you're going to position yourself to hear, you have to be, you have to be willing. You have to, one of the things you have to do, and this is going to, this is going to, it's going to make you nervous, but you're going to have to trust your pastor that I'm not picking on nobody. I don't favor the Hispanics. I don't favor the black people. I don't favor the, (laughs) it's the same thing. They just don't know it. (laughs) It's the same thing. (laughs) I've heard people say that. I said, are you black? No, I'm Dominican. Dude, you black. (laughs) You Puerto Rican? Yeah, I'm Puerto Rican. You black? No, I'm Puerto Rican. No, you, you a black Puerto Rican. That's what you are. Anyway. (laughs) <laughs> Some people will say, well, you know what? He, he, just, uh, he just favors the people that are tithers and, all, tithers and offering givers. Well, you know, that's about 98% of you. No, he just, he just caters to the big givers. Oh, really? You know, that changes a lot over a year, year after year. Sometimes the people you would expect to be the biggest givers are, and then sometimes they're not because something happens and somebody, somebody does something wild, <laughs> something you'd never expect them to do. <laughs> I, I do know this. In the 10 years that we've been in, I expected to be the largest tithe and offering giver in this church. I have never succeeded. Y'all have beat me every year, and I try. Y'all have beat me every Well, you might not get me this year. Believe me, I do every day. Amen. (laughs) I want to be the biggest giver. But praise God. Praise God. Man, I remember Carolyn was up there. And Carolyn was struggling just with jobs at the time. She was bobbling jobs. And she came, I think she's like third in her giving. She, well, listen, I'm telling you right now. Uh, I, I, I strutted around in the front with Carolyn. Man, we was like, glory to God. We was like a couple of roosters. Amen. What a victory. What a victory. What a victory. She was trying to that year, weren't you, Carolyn? Yeah. (laughs) Glory to God. But you know what? When you look and it doesn't look like there's a way out or a way up or a way back, God has a way. Your purpose doesn't change because you blew it. Your purpose doesn't change uh, just because you feeling funky about it. God has a purpose, and if you'll lean into the Spirit, He'll elevate you, and He'll take you to that place where He's called you to, and you'll realize the anointing of God on your life, and you'll fulfill the purpose of God. You just have to be willing to go wherever He tells you, do whatever it is that He's telling you to do, and stand in the place where He wants you to stand. Now, most of us won't be apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. 
Most of us will be in the ministries of helps. You know, most of us will be in ministries where we're helping an apostle, prophet, evangelist, okay. pastor, or teacher, where we, where we play a, a supporting role. But it doesn't mean you're any less than. Ahead, Some of you will be an evangelist and be an evangelist. Oh, well, I need to quit. Amen. Amen. I, I need to stop, Ted. Whoa, whoa, amen. <laughs> Ted, Ted, uh, uh, Gabe said to me, he said, Dad, you said this was going to be an abbreviated service. What does that mean, abbreviated? <laughs> he says, I've never heard you abbreviated. He says, he says, what it means is instead of two and a half hours, it'll be two hours. Hmm? I was like, you dirty rat. <laughs> and, <laughs> but anyhow, so tomorrow we'll, we'll get into, uh, we'll get into um, how, to, how we pray. You know, well, that's what we'll do. We'll talk about tomorrow how, do you, how, how you should pray. I'm going to give you some specific prayers to pray. How's that? We'll get some specific prayers to pray, and we'll look at some examples in, scriptures, uh, in the Scripture of how people discovered their calling, discovered their purpose, how they, how they shifted seasons and how God took them from season to season and what, what he did with them and, and, uh, um, and what it looks like when people function in their calling. Amen. Um, so let, we'll, we'll do that tomorrow. Praise God. Hallelujah. You receive this today? Yes. Amen. Thank you, Father, for your word. Lord, we thank you for your spirit. Lord, I pray that the anointing, reach out and touch someone close to you. Lord, I pray that the anointing of your spirit will come upon each one. Lord, as we reach out our hands to touch one another, to lay our hands on one another, to pray over one another. Lord, that we will not only share uh, space, but we'll share faith. We'll share of the anointing uh, that you're uh, pouring out that is breaking forth in the name of Jesus. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that your people are receiving revelation, that they're receiving, Lord, a greater insight, uh, by the spirit of the call and the purpose uh, to which you've called them in the name of Jesus. We thank you for it, Lord. We thank you for it, Father. And everybody that believed it said amen. 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 All right, tomorrow we'll come back and we'll get into some of the things that I feel like the Lord is showing me that are...